Who are the elite athletes? They are the men and women who have dedicated themselves to a level of achievement in a sport that most can only dream about. Whether they reach that pinnacle of success in high school, college, or in the pro game, the vast majority of these great athletes come to realize that their time at the top is only a few years. What does life have in store for them for the next 50, 60, or more years? What challenges and barriers do they face along the way? After the Glory is the show that features conversations with elite athletes as they talk about what led them to greatness and how their special skill set has prepared them for life beyond the playing field. Gary Stern and Lucy Sang are passionate admirers of elite athletes and are proud to bring you their stories. And now, the host of After the Glory, Lucy Sang and Gary Stern. Welcome everybody to another episode of After the Glory. Today we have another amazing guest, Austin Quick. Austin is currently a doctoral student at Cal State San Bernardino, focusing on student athlete identities, experiences, and environments through a critical analysis lens. He also works at UC Riverside as a regional director of development, focusing on alumni engagement and major gift fundraising for all states outside of California. Austin also earned a master's degree from UCR, worked as a student athlete academic advisor, is a two-time all-academic Big West Honors student athlete, holds the record for the second most games played ever in a Highlander uniform, a CIF champion at Murrieta Valley High School, and most importantly, a husband in a mixed race family, a youngest brother of three and an uncle to six nieces and nephews. I love a bio that includes all the fun and glory. Austin, welcome to After the Glory. How are you today? Thank you so much, Lucy. I'm doing really well. Thanks for having me. Fantastic. Well, we always start off our episodes asking our athletes, why your sport? Why basketball? Was it something natural to you or was it something in the family? It's a great question. And thank you for still calling me an athlete, although I think <laughs> I moved on from that. But it, that identity will always be there for me. Um, Athletics and sports has always been in my family. My my father uh, played basketball and baseball growing up in the South Bay, uh, actually went on to University of Arizona, won the national championship in 1980 as a second baseman for the Wildcats, bear down. So baseball has been in my blood for a long time. Um, basketball really was our family's love. Um, we always had ball in our hands growing up always in the backyard shooting front yard shooting dribbling um never missed the, the quick boy without something in their hand athletic related uh, there you go right there yes i got mine right behind the, the table as well but yeah sports really just been a part the integral part of the quick family and my mom is really athletic as well she speaks four languages comes from a italian immigrant family uh, i think i got my work ethic from her um, they own a little farm town out in Montreal but um, I think the appreciation for sports is what kind of grew for me during my career. So Austin which came first the natural talent or the name? I would say it was the name I got to give credit to the name um, the talent took time I'll tell you <laughs> it, my, it was funny here's a quick story um, my dad, again, professional baseball player, was drafted to the Giants organization. Uh, I was growing up playing baseball and was having trouble hitting the ball for so long, having trouble hitting, having trouble hitting. 
And one day after a game, he said, son, you can't be this bad. Like, you cannot be this bad. I go, Dad, I don't know what's going on. Come to find out I needed glasses. I couldn't see the ball. So put my glasses on, boom. I turn into a 500 hitter, my third grade, fourth grade. Uh, but again, it's, it's understanding the environment, understanding it might not be the person, it might be the circumstances. And I think taking that approach throughout my life um, and reflecting on what I experienced in the past has really helped me out. And that's a great story because even with my glasses on, I don't think I could make 300. <laughs> <laughs> well, Austin, let's kind of circle back from the beginning of your experience and obviously becoming a collegiate athlete and working with athletes. And now, even though your your full-time job is not directly related to athletics, I'm sure the gifts that you bring in do support student athletes, but also why a doctor's degree, right? Let's go through the, the motion. So basketball and sports, baseball has always been a part of your life. Did you ever think that you were going to go elite the same way that your father did? Uh, yes, absolutely. Um, but I think that that trajectory or path was altered um, through an injury that I had and just really shifted my perception early on in my career. Um, I'm going to acknowledge I come from a very privileged background um, in a lot of different senses. And I didn't realize that until I got to UC Riverside. Um, kind of my athletic identity and that trajectory changed when I was in high school. Uh, I broke my hip. I had an ASI, a civilian fracture, um, which really changed where I was going to play, where I was, how I was going to be. Um, and for a 16, 17 year old kid who really thought that this was my way to, I don't know, make an impact or have, a, have the glory, right? The glory that that I wanted to accomplish um, and have that trajectory change so quick, uh, it really affected me mentally, emotionally. Um, so I still remember the day where um, I told myself, I want to play professionally. I want to get an agent and go. But then being in the gym and thinking, my, my time is done. I, I looked at the ball and said, my time is done. Um, and so that transition took some time, but it was finite, it was concrete, and I'm so glad it was because that's what I want to help other student athletes realize, always have a backup plan. How did your game change once the uh, hip fracture healed enough for you to try to play? Were you a guard? Uh, were you a shooting guard? Uh, were you, uh, uh, did your game change in terms of, if, again, I don't mean to be uh, flippant about your name, but did your quickness change to uh, something else in terms of how you approach the game by the time you got to UCR? It, it did. It absolutely did. Um, and, and I use quick with uh, a little bit of quotations there because my first two steps are quick. Other than that, you know, <laughs> I, I got to use my mind. I got to use my mind to, to get the step ahead. Um, but I think it was a culmination of a lot of different, different things, Gary. Um, I was a late bloomer in terms of my physical growth. Everyone in my family is about 5'8", 5'9", 5'10". I ended up being 6'4". Um, <laughs> There was an ongoing joke that I was a milkman's kid. I heard it all the time. Um, but, you know, I think during that time, though, my body was going through changes. I wasn't strong. I was very lean. Um, and so I think I was still trying to figure out what my game was going to be. I had some athleticism. I, I played above the rim. But then that injury kind of led to another injury, which then led to some physical internal injury from stress. So it was kind of all culminating into one, but 
yeah, it was, it was a challenge, definitely a challenge. The, the other question that I have as, as we head into break is, is related to this notion of um, the elite na athlete. You grew up with a father who was in the minor leagues, uh, but I don't think, if I'm not mistaken, made it to the majors. Um, right. and, and of course, the goal for every minor leaguer, at least most, is to make it to the majors. How did that sort of coming up short in his perspective change how he approached his raising of you as an athlete? That's a great question. Uh, my father never lost his competitiveness. Um, as soon as he finally stopped playing baseball, um, met my mom on a beach in Cancun. She was an air flight attendant in Montreal. Uh, so two worlds kind of collided and they came together and agreed that they want to start a family. So um, kind of di digress a little bit, but my father picked up golf right away and just competed every step of the way. And he's now a scratch golfer. Um, and I think that competitiveness, he, he was tiptoeing the lines between father and coach all times of the day. <laughs> um, he worked in San Pedro, but we lived in Marietta. So he was always commuting back and forth. So whenever dad got home, it was, let's get outside. Let's get some shots up. Let's hit into the net. Uh, let's watch some film. It was, it was a, for me, being the youngest of two older brothers, I got to watch how those dynamics worked out. And I think it affected relationships with his other kids. Um, but I kind of had that sense of this is dad. And I had to tell him like, you're dad. I'll take the competitiveness and the coaching off the court, but I think that helped our relationship even off. So I well, that. well, when we come back, we're going to talk about the student and the athlete on After the Glory. This is Gary Stern with Lucy Singh. Uh, look forward to continuing our conversation with Mr. Austin Quick. This is Daryl Wayne here to talk to you about the co-creator and co-host of After the Glory, Woodland Hills lawyer Gary Stern. When Gary's not talking to elite athletes, you can usually find him doing what he's been doing for almost 45 years, navigating the world of government. As a college student and young professional, Gary helped folks deal with federal and state agencies through his work as a caseworker with a local congressman and state senator. That work prepared Gary for a career as a consumer lawyer. Today, Gary still helps people in all walks of life, but his passion nowadays is his service as a mediator, mostly in cases like the ones he's been handling for over four decades where people have been injured in accidents or in connection with their employment. You can learn more about Stern Law, the law offices of Gary N. Stern at his website, www.sternlaw.org, that's S-T-E-R-N. Or you can call him at 818-710-2717, that's 818-710-2717. And we're back on After the Glory. This is Lucy Singh with my partner, Gary Stern, and our guest today, Austin Quick. Austin, you shared earlier that your father played minor league baseball, but you and your two brothers ended up going into basketball. Was was there any conflict or how, how did that kind of change in sport happen? Yeah, it, it happened rather, rather immediately um, <laughs> when, you know, changes of seasons in high school sports, you've got coaches that are competing for athletes, um, especially the ones that, that are capable of playing both sports. Um, I think it was end of winter. Our teams would always be going late in CIF. We'd be reporting to baseball practice late or baseball season late. And I think that that kind of transition happened for each of us around sophomore year of high school. Um, 
and we had some amazing coaches in high school that really paved the way for us foundationally. Um, Randy Forget, Jim Salmon, uh, Steve Terabelda. But uh, I think we always still appreciate our love for baseball uh, and basketball and sports, all sports. I mean, just that competitiveness again. Absolutely. So, so you went into playing at Riverside and was a full-time athlete and student, hence student athlete. Tell us a little more about that experience and particularly with your experience advising student athletes now as a professional, kind of what was your experience in the seat and then also mentoring someone in the seat? Absolutely. So at UCR, um, I think the theme and the takeaway that I learned is that the grass isn't greener on the other side, it's green where you water it. And I think that speaks to the transfer portal, everything else. Uh, I heard a stat at UCR where I was one of eight athletes to stay for all four years and play under the same program and graduate there, then transfer out, transfer in. Um, so I think the culmination of, of those loyalty, um, city, uh, transitions, I played for three different coaching staffs, um, all these things that I, I really didn't pay attention to in terms of my time as a student athlete, because that wasn't my responsibility. My responsibility was to go to class, go to the training room, go to the weight room, go back to the gym, back to the weight room, and then find some time to do my homework and sleep after that. Um, but I think that my experiences athletically at UCR was everything I wanted. I just wanted to compete at the highest level. I want an opportunity to play the best athletes across the nation in the world now um, that, that at a non-professional level. And then I think my experiences at an HSI, which is a Hispanic serving institution known for its diversity worldwide, UCR is number one in social mobility. Again, I learned about my privilege and what sports really was for me was an opportunity to open the door uh, to better myself as an individual. Um, and then I learned how to use my privilege to empower others. I think those things that you don't really pay attention to when you're on the court trying to figure out how to break his own or uh, run a flare screen and slip cut. I mean, you don't notice those things. You don't have the time to notice those things. Um, but my pursuit of higher education afforded me that structure and time to do that. Um, I was always telling my coaches, it's like, I'm going to go to a doctoral program. I don't know when I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. Um, and so now, now is the right time uh, with COVID. Um, I needed that, that sense of structure outside of work and life. And this is what it's providing me. So, Well, Austin, I want to highlight something you said um, because I want our listeners to hear this very clearly. You, we, we define elite athlete as any athlete who in a sport is one of the very, very small percentage of all who try to play the game on a, on a gymnasium court in their neighborhood or on an outdoor court in their neighborhood um, and get to a level such as college that only a, a small fraction ever get to. The, the average member of the public thinks, oh, if you're an elite athlete, your goal is to be a pro player. Sounds like you entered college with the desire to compete in the moment, but with a clear sense that the NBA was not where you were headed. You were headed for greatness in other areas. Is that a fair way to describe your mindset as you entered college? Absolutely accurate, absolutely accurate. And I appreciate you defining that term um, because it's so important. 
making sure that everyone understands kind of the, the terms, the language, the translations in which we're operating. Um, because if you start off with different expectations and understandings, you're not going to get to the same shared goal. Um, so you're absolutely right. That was that was my mindset. And I think it, it shifted that way because I had the only thing that I loved taken away from me for a year from the injury. So I became a better athlete on the sideline, watching, learning. Um, so in terms of elite status, I wasn't an elite athlete by any sense of the means, but I was an elite teammate. I was an elite role player. I was an elite locker room guy. Those areas that I knew I can control um, I hung my hat on for sure. That was who I was going to be. Um, and I think that speaks to my, my record, which was broken by somebody I helped recruit at UCR for so long, but just consistency. And they know I was dependable. They knew what they were going to get out of me. My long-term understanding was my best ability was always going to be my availability. If I can keep that top of mind, always be available. I knew what I was going to contribute. Um, I think that really helped the program in a lot of different ways. And it's still to this day in terms of my role, building community, connecting alums and supporting the program. Um, just that, that long-term tenure has really, really paid dividends. What part of the experience of playing a sport like basketball in front of fans? And obviously the size of the crowd is not so much what we're talking about, but just the idea that there are people watching. What part of the experience is the idea of entertaining others versus the competition going on right in front of you? That's a great point. I haven't spent much time thinking about that. Um, but knowing who I was as an athlete, as a role player, um, I would come in and <laughs> UCR would be down 10, 15, 12 points. And then, all right, here comes Austin, bring in the energy, get a few steals, turn the crowd up, really change the momentum and feel of the game. And I played into that. I would dive on the floor. I would yell. I'd slap courtside seat holders' hands. Um, I would really play into the entertainment side of athletics. Um, I think the the thing that gets often overlooked and under, misunderstood is when the athlete is off the court, um, because the fans, the donors, they don't get to see the athlete. They don't get to see the emotional impact it takes, the mental fatigue. Um, the ringing you might get in the locker room. Um, but again, I, I'm proud of that. I'm thankful for that because it built a tolerance and, and endurance in me that I think I can stand and take anything from here on out. And when we come back, we'll talk to Austin about life after the glory days of basketball, where the real glory happens. This is Lucy saying with my partner, Gary Stern, and our guest, Austin Quick. Hey, this is Lucy Sang from Resiliency Coaching. I am a certified mental performance coach focused on working with athletes transitioning into life after the glory days of sports. I help like-minded people become high performers and thrive in all areas of life. My goal is to serve as your accountability partner and offer different perspectives as you make tough decisions. Learn more about me on Instagram at resiliency underscore coaching R-E-S-I-L-I-E-N-T-S-E-E underscore coaching. And thanks for tuning in to After the Glory. And we're back on After the Glory. This is Gary Stern with my co-host and partner, Lucy Sang, talking with Austin Quick, a four-year letterman from the sport of basketball at University of California, Riverside, uh, and but truly a student in the student-athlete sense 
Austin, um, four years, four rewarding years playing basketball, but you had a vision for your future as you made your way toward graduation. Tell us about the vision and how it's being carried forward now in the work you're doing. Absolutely. Thank you, Gary. Uh, I think that vision starts with a traumatic experience um, and understanding student athletes' minds and how they're wired in terms of goal-orientedness, structure, discipline, dedication. Those traumatic experiences really shape the trajectory. And, And those can happen in any different ways. It can be a financial burden. It can be a family member. It could be a personal experience. But for me, it was it was the injuries that were kind of ongoing. And so, um, I was I was inspired that I was going to be professional in something, and I knew it wasn't going to be basketball. And that doctorate degree for me was how I was defining success. Um, so it was meeting the people that already accomplished that, learning from them, growing my network getting saturated in the field, the research. Um, that was my practice. That was my um, getting my shots up in the gym. It was finding articles. Um, but again, it was everything that still happened individually. It was growth, it was development, just a different muscle, right? Um, so I'm not there yet. I'm just starting my program. I'm, I'm excited, I'm overwhelmed, uh, I'm curious, but it's, it's going to be a process and I'm, I'm going to need to rely on teammates, whoever they will be, wherever I'll find them. Um, just understand what, it, what the goal is, what my experiences have been and what we want to contribute to society. And I think it's just a, a, a more in-depth understanding of who student athletes are and um, how we can affect them just in terms of the labeling, the stigmas, the expectations all those play a role in their success on and off the court. Absolutely. Well, Austin, can you tell us more about your program and particularly your interest in student-athlete identities, experiences, and environments through a critical analysis lens? What does that mean? It's a great question. It was a term that I heard last week in class, and I was like, that's what I want to do. But <laughs> I, I don't really know what it is yet, but I know that's what I want to do. Uh, I think it's just taking a, a really critical um in-depth approach to unpacking and understanding some of the, not only the terms, but um, the experiences that affect student athletes. Uh, and right now, uh, I think we talked about it earlier, Gary might have mentioned it, just this, this label, right, the student athlete label, um, and how it's, it's perceived so many different ways across so many different places and, and people. Uh, I'm, I'm starting to look at a new label or one that's been around higher education for a long time, um, but gets a different, uh, I want to say appreciation or attention, and that's the term non-traditional student. Um, Just looking at all the different definitions of non-traditional students in the literature, there are many. Uh, They talk about the experiences, the circumstances, what they came from, their background, their age, um, and how that plays a role in how they persist through education and some of the resources that universities are to provide these types of non-traditional students. Um, and I want to make the argument that stop calling student-athletes student-athletes, start calling them non-traditional students um, and really just mend that, that identity, that demographic, that label um, and start supporting them the way that we want them to be supported on campus. They already do that in a sense, right? 
athletics departments in, in and of itself. Uh, and I'm still scoping the research and trying to figure it out, but athletics departments do this. They provide uh, personal attention, care, um, but not on an equitable level across all of higher education. We all know the, the disparities between big five schools and places like UCR. Um, but what doesn't change is kind of the encounters and interactions from the athlete to the professor, the athlete to the environment, um, the athlete to the financial situation and burdens they face. So all those are, are, are standard for me. Like I can keep those constant. Those are my independent variables. Um, but it's, it's understanding how the definitions or labels can affect how they persist through those environments is, is what I want to really understand. You know, Austin, in our last two or three minutes uh, uh, of this episode of, uh, of our show, um, what you just said, of course, raises the obvious question. You're in the boardroom at the NCAA, and you're tasked with the responsibility of changing the way the NCAA operates regarding athletes. What are some ideas you have? What's some, what are some thoughts you have on where the NCAA perhaps has gone wrong and where they could go right? That's a, that's a big question. And I haven't looked at all the data to see that. So I don't want to come from a deficit lens, but I think that all solutions can be found in simplicity, right? So if you go back to what is the goal of higher education, what is the goal of a student athlete? And right now I feel like we're getting, we're getting lost in a lot of this marketing economic value arms race approach um, that Yes, we're putting a Band-Aid over it just with the amount of resources we can provide them, right? Typically, resources save time. They save effort, right? Those are the things. But what are you taking away from the athlete if you're saving them that time and that effort, right? We're not looking at it from that lens. Um, so I don't, I don't know which way the NCAA goes. Uh, I feel like it's, it's going the wrong way, <laughs> but I don't know which way to pull it back. Um, I think they don't have to look farther than some of these mid-majors that are in the staff members in the mid-majors that are doing everything they can, breaking their backs to support these student athletes at an expectation level that others are. And there's to, to what end, right? To what end? How, how can they define their success when they're comparing it to things that are unattainable? Um, so it's, it's just really convoluted right now. It's messy. Uh, change needs to be happening at the structural level. And I think there's still a lot more information to be found. It's great to meet you, Austin. Uh, Lucy, close us out. And uh, Austin, again, thank you for your time and for sharing your thoughts with us today. Well, I just have one last question for you, Austin, as we wrap up this episode. What is the one thing you want to tell our student athletes, our up and coming elite athletes, our non-traditional students to, uh, you know, achieve their goals? What is the one thing? Uh, the one thing I would tell student athletes is that they're not alone. Um, they're not alone in, in what they want to accomplish, what they're enduring. Um, I knew my, my place wasn't the right place to do it, but I would, I would get emotional in the shower because nobody else would see me. But I didn't know who to talk to or where to go. But just know that on your campus, on your team, in your locker room, there are people that want to help you get there. So just know you're not alone. Amen. We've all been there. Austin, thank you so much for joining us today. We really appreciate you sharing your passion with us and all of the impact that you are have done and are going to continue to do for our world of student athletes. Thank you. Thank you. Lucy and I hope you enjoyed this edition of After the Glory. As we leave you until next time, we want to thank our team, 
Our producer, Mark Allen. The executive producer from Podclips, Mike Anderson. And our sound engineer and editor, the insane Daryl Wayne. We are also grateful for music by T. Dan Hofstede. And as we close out this episode of After the Glory, we honor our guest with our theme song, written and sung by my brother in baseball, T. Dan, the master of music from the islands and the slack key guitar. Until next time, stay safe, healthy, and athletic. Living the dream on a shooting star. Hometown crowd cheering what you are. Living large and riding high. Razzling and dazzling across the sky. Back in the day, so young and strong. Work or play, you can do no wrong. But when that ride is through, what you gonna do? Hey, hey, what's your story? What you gonna do after the glory? Step back and take inventory. Checking out new territory. Not every day. Hopefully